The Career Competitor Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Tall Slim Tees. And I cannot encourage you all enough to head over to tallslimtees.com right now, simply because they offer just about anything and everything you could really need around this time of year, from your basic crewnecks and v-necks to your long sleeve options and also even hoodies and some pullovers. Just about everything, like I said. And if you need an added incentive to get over to the website right away and check out their wide array of options, then here is one for you. The code CAREER10, that is the word CAREER and the number 10, that if you were to use that at checkout, you will receive a 10% discount on whatever you decide to order. So don't wait any longer. Go check out tallslimtees.com today and find yourself a shirt that fits the way it is supposed to. Let's get to the show. Don't let your education pin you, but use it as a stepping stone to hopefully meet and do something else and find that passion for what you want to do, hopefully the rest of your life. of the CG Sports Network. We are the show that seeks to light the competitive fire within you in order to succeed within your career. We will be taking a one-week break from the show after this episode for the week of Thanksgiving before bringing you a couple of episodes in December to round out the year. We have some really exciting things in the works for the start of the new year, and I look forward to eventually bringing those to you. Before introducing my guest for today, I just want to encourage you all to follow and connect with me on all possible platforms, starting with LinkedIn, where you just need to search for my name, Steve Meller, and I would love to connect with you. Furthermore, if you go to careercompetitor.com, you can find all our social media handles and contact me directly through the site as well. Any feedback you might have is very much welcomed, and if you think you or anyone you know would be a great candidate to come on the show, be sure to let me know. Now for our guest, and I had the pleasure of speaking to David Treadwell, who was a place kicker within the NFL for six years, most famously with the Denver Broncos, which came following a highly distinguished college career at Clemson University. We will certainly hear all about his football story in our discussion, but we will also hear about his career following football and how he has been able to successfully establish himself today within commercial real estate. You will notice throughout our discussion that David is extremely passionate about highlighting the key areas that can help a former athlete transfer their greatest traits into their lives following their sports career. I encourage you to listen out for the ways David highlighted areas within his life at every step of the way where he needed to help himself improve before then proactively doing something about it. So let's listen into my interview with former NFL player turned commercial real estate professional David Treadwell and I hope you all enjoy. Okay well I am Absolutely excited to bring on David Treadwell to the Career Competitor Podcast. First and foremost, David, on this Friday morning, how are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, well, all the pleasure's ours. And uh, where are you today? I'm in Denver, Colorado. This has been my home for the last 30 years. Beautiful country out here, great quality of life. 
Um, married a Colorado girl who was a native and uh, been raising three kids out here, twin boys and a daughter. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, you and I have that in common. I moved to Louisiana and found myself a Louisiana girl, and, and, and now the rest is history. So uh, that uh, sounds great, sounds wonderful. It's a beautiful part of the world. And, and David, honestly, I'm, I'm, in, I'm excited to have you on for, for such, a, such a wide array of reasons. First and foremost, you have a background in professional sport, and it, it is something that we on this show, we, we talk a lot with collegiate athletes that have moved right into the working world, so to speak. And and you have a background in the sport of football, having played in the NFL. And before we start to cover those years of, of playing football, tell everybody what it is that you're actually doing today. Today, I'm in commercial real estate. I do commercial real estate financing mm-hmm. with a company called Newmark. And we primarily place debt for multifamily apartments, so rental apartments. If someone were buying an apartment complex, we could help help them out with that financing. And uh, that's what I've been doing for about the last 15 years and really enjoy it. For me, it's about kind of the closest thing I can get to playing sports again, because it's very competitive to win business on any given day, any given week, any given assignment that you have. So uh, that's why I think I've kind of migrated to it. And I'm sure you have plenty of questions for me, but I have a rather circuitous path to where I am today. Well, let's well, let's move right into that. I think for me, a lot of my questions, is, as much as I like to outline the discussion beforehand, more often than not, um, I take a football term. I'm you know creating that audible uh, throughout the interview and and sort of reacting to what it is you're saying so david give us give us your story go all the way back to the the you know even before college years if you want but uh, i'd love to hear your whole story about the sport of football and just how you got into where you are today sure well i was a walk-on at clemson university and so i actually chose the school because i knew i needed to go there and get an education football was an extreme long shot And by extreme, I mean the longest of long shots. For me, it was more or less Cinderella slipper fit. And I got to wear it for a few years. So I'm very blessed in that regard. So my mindset going to Clemson was to study and get good grades and and have a career coming out of it. Um, I actually majored in electrical engineering undergrad at Clemson with a minor in business because I was uh, fortunate enough to get a red shirt year. So I had a few extra hours I could take and ended up getting a minor in business too, which I think has served me well mm-hmm. post-career. And, um, you know, the the opportunities there at Clemson just presented themselves as a walk-on. I had basically no shot um, to play for the first two years I was on the team, but Danny Ford was our head coach at the time and he was kind enough uh, to have me out there. And uh, he had a great walk-on program. There were a lot of walk-ons that uh, came through Clemson University and continue to be. Dabo's continued that tradition because he was a a walk-on himself Mm. and want to give guys an opportunity who maybe didn't shine so much in high school, but were willing to continue to work and and strive and and have an opportunity for that to to play at the next level. So I continued to work hard. Um, uh, And many times people might joke, they'd see me over on the, side field at Clemson we had a they kind of shrunk it as developments come in but we used to have about 600 yard football fields they were all full football fields and then we had this about 50 yard field 
over on the side near what we called the moat. There was like a moat around all the practice fields that kind of protected the practice fields from anybody sneaking in and <laughs> filming what we were doing on any given week. Um, but I'd be over there on the side because there were a nine foot set of uprights. Now today the uprights are 18 feet, six inches wide. Sure. When back when I was playing, they were 24 feet wide. And remember, I don't know if people I'm dating myself, they had the same wide hash marks, but even wider. And then they had these short squatty uprights and they were 24 feet wide. So I'd practice on these nine foot uprights um, just constantly. Cause I figured if I could make it on nine foot uprights, I could certainly make it on 24 foot uprights. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my mentality. And my junior year academically, redshirt year sophomore, I got, I got an opportunity to compete with four guys for the job. And I was fortunate enough to win it. And I, I kicked well enough to keep it and kicked for the next three years and made all American my senior year, had some very memorable games, memorable kicks, uh, just phenomenal times. And uh, I, even looking back today, as, as blessed as I am that I got to play six years in the NFL, the collegiate years were some of my favorites, some of my best. I just think because of that, that campus excitement, emotion, enthusiasm, you know, playing for your school, playing for your team. I mean, there wasn't anything on the line except for playing for each other and just trying to win every game. Sure. So I made All-American, played three years at Clemson, and I still didn't get drafted in the NFL. 12 rounds in the NFL, not the seven that they have now, 12. Right. And I still didn't get drafted. <laughs> but I had enough pro scouts that um, had seen me because they were coming through Clemson and seeing some of my teammates. They'd ask me to kick. They'd work me out. So coming out of the draft, I had offers from San Diego, Denver, and Atlanta. And it's just kind of a gut feel. Um, I chose Denver. Just felt comfortable out here at Denver. Um so I went through, uh, competed against Rich Carlos, who was a barefoot kicker at the time. I was uh, a soccer player. So many of the media would ask me, why don't I kick barefoot? And I said, well, I play soccer with shoes on. So right. I'm going to kick with shoes on. <laughs> and that was just the way I felt comfortable. Yeah. And um, I didn't beat him out the first year, but um, I ended up beating him out the, the next year. So when I didn't make it in 1988, I bounced around. I tried out for numerous teams. Uh, it, it was kind of the Tuesday workouts. You've probably heard of those nowadays yes. that the yeah. NFL does where it, Monday is a day where they come in and watch film and work out and just kind of get all the, the lactic acid out of your body. Tuesday is the only day off during the week, um, during the season. And um, Tuesday would be workout day. So I'd jump on planes um, pretty much every other week. I, I felt like I worked out for half the teams in the league that first year and um, had some memorable workouts. One of my uh, uh, most memorable workout was down in Miami. Fouad Reves had uh, pulled his quad muscle. And um, Dan Moreno, still the quarterback at the time, sure. and Ron Jaworski was the backup quarterback. So Jaworski was my holder during the workout down in Miami and going through the workout. He couldn't have been more positive, more upbeat, uh, more enthusiastic for me. I, you know, I 
make a kick because you do it the, the workout's a live workout with a snapper and holder and they're out there clocking you charting you everything and watching you and he goes oh you're really hitting the ball well today and inspired me and i had one of the greatest workouts and then still when the workout was done it's like you had a great workout but uh, we're gonna go with somebody else <laughs> so that was kind of my story uh for the first year yeah. But I finally made it. Um, I ended up actually signing with the Cardinals, the Arizona Cardinals at the time. They'd already moved from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Gene Stallings was the head coach. I went through uh, the entire I – I signed like week 14, but never played it down with the Cardinals. And went through the entire offseason workout program. And then Memorial Day, I'm out with some, some of my teammates just playing golf. It was a day off, having fun. And one of the guys, and this is before, you know, everybody had a cell phone and I didn't have one. I was like, I'm on the rookie kicker, hadn't made a team yet budget. Right. So I had no cell phone. And somebody uh, during the round said, hey, did you know you just got traded back to Denver? And I was like, what? I got traded? I had no idea. It's like, why? how does a kicker get traded? Right. Nobody trades for a kicker. They wait till you get cut and then they pick you up. Um, so I got on a plane the next day and flew back to Denver and this time I won the job. So, um, but that was a lesson learned to me that these guys in the NFL can pull the rug out from under you at any minute. And so I just always wanted to kind of maintain my contacts in the work world and, um, you know, keep those fresh because I didn't know how long I was going to be around, um, if I was even going to make it. Uh, to begin with and uh, Dow Chemical was one of the companies I worked for on a full-time slash part-time basis they were kind enough to allow me to kind of continue to do my workouts and play around with the NFL and and have that as a backstop if it never worked out and they were so great to me um, and and what they offered and so I kind of was juggling two worlds till I really stuck and once I stuck, I kind of had that bug of, oh, gosh, what do I do now? Because now I don't have the job with Dow Chemical anymore. I've only got the NFL job. Mm-hmm. And back then in the 80s, my first contract, to put it in perspective of what it is today, I got a $5,000 signing bonus and I had a $65,000 base salary. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! I mean, for a college kid coming out, that was big money, man. Yeah. But not compared to what they made today. No, no. <laughs> um, but I was, I was still kind of concerned that this might not last very long, because um, our contracts in the NFL are not guaranteed. You're basically a week-to-week employee. So I actually went back to school at night. Um, wanted to just get an MBA to kind of keep my engineering degree fresh, mm. so that when I got out of school, I could kind of, I wouldn't maybe necessarily work as an engineer because. The longer you're away from engineering and mathematics and mm. science, you start losing it. It doesn't just stick around unless you're doing it every day. Um, so I wanted to continue my education on the business side. And they didn't have DU, University of Denver, didn't have an, uh, an MBA program at night. And they said, well, we have a, a law school program. You could do that at night and in the off season. And I said, okay, I'll do that. I had no idea or interest that I was going to go become an attorney, um, but I did it. I did it for the educational purposes. And 
it took me about four and a half years to finish. Um, doing it part time and in between. And it was um, it was challenging, but definitely worthwhile. I'm glad I did it because it's kind of a basis of what I even do today. So I um, I worked in law. I practiced. I passed the bar here in Colorado. I practiced law for two years for a great mid-sized law firm here, learned a ton, but I migrated away from litigation and toward real estate. I wanted to do transactions. I wanted to do deals. Mm. And that's what kind of led me to the commercial real estate um, career that I'm in the middle of now and, and yeah. in between. And while I was doing that, I've also done kind of what you're doing. I've done some yeah. media, I've done some broadcasting <laughs> on radio and television. And I did some form of that for about 20 years. But as my kids got older, I wanted to spend more time with them. Mm-hmm. And I just, I had too hectic of a schedule. So I kind of let the, the, the love job go that wasn't paying me a ton of money anyway, but I was right. just doing it for fun. Um, I let that go and I'm just focused on commercial real estate and hanging out with the kids as much as I can in between. So long-winded answer for the circuitous <laughs> route question. I love it. Well, so, so much great content in terms of just your story, David, because I mean, I, I want to start with your education because for, for me, I, I think sometimes people trap themselves with their education. They, they, they commit so, so intensely to their education at a younger age that they feel that they have no option but to go down a specific route. And, you know, hearing you with your degree in electrical engineering, minoring in business, went and got a law degree, and then had all these different experiences that sort of overlapped in those particular areas, did some work in media. It, it, it appears as though you were just allowing opportunity to come into your life. And when you felt like, okay, this fits, this works, then you were gonna become more purposeful, more directional with that. Is, is that pretty much how it all worked out for you? Yeah, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think you've got to find a passion, regardless of what it is. Don't box yourself in. Um, and then with that passion, use your networking ability as much as you can. I try to tell my kids now that same story. Mm-hmm. Um, I have twin boys, as I mentioned. They're at Clemson University. Our daughter's a senior in high school. And I said, just pay attention to who you meet now. Everybody you meet could be a source, an opportunity for you at some point down the road. Treat people with dignity, respect, your classmates, your peers. You don't know where people are gonna end up. Nobody really does. It, it's, I, I, to, on one hand, I envy the people who say, I'm going to school and I'm gonna become a doctor. And they know exactly what they're going to be. Sure. And I love that. But I, I bet there's a lot of those people that even say, I'm going to go to school and become a doctor. They may have started on one path of medicine and ended up in a different path of medicine. So there are so many different ways. And even in commercial real estate that I'm in now, uh, I didn't know this was even a career until <laughs> I started getting closer and closer to it of what I'm doing. There's so many different tentacles within commercial real estate. There's investment sales, there's property leasing, property management, there's finance. There's so many different avenues you can pursue, retail, multifamily, industrial. I happen to focus primarily on multifamily rental apartments. So it's just, it's a fascinating 
discussion to have with young people. Yeah. And I just try to encourage people to keep an open mind, really, because your don't let your education pin you, but use it as a stepping stone, as a springboard to hopefully meet and do something else and find that passion for what you want to do, hopefully the rest of your life. And if you have to make a few different turns along that way, I think mm. that's okay too. Yet we all have to kind of assess risk and make calculated risk decisions in careers. And hopefully they, they work out as best you can. If you don't, mm. you pull the plug and go try something else. Yeah. And I think this is so important for people listening to this because a lot of our audience is people that you're referencing here, you know, either in college right now or just finished college heading into their careers. And in this generation, in this world that we're now living in, everything is so available. Everything is so instantaneous. And that's kind of the world that we live in now. And I think everybody wants to find the perfect job right out of college and have everything just sort of figured out and know that that's their path and that's the you know that's the route that they're going to take and here you are as someone who was able to understand that as you were still pursuing this initial passion in life and it was allowed to grow into a professional career for six years you still never looked too far away in terms of hey you know i, I gotta hold on to some sort of a plan, but I, I don't necessarily need to rush it. I need to allow myself to stay sharp as you went and got your education. I love that, like the fact that you said, I need to keep my mind sharp. I need to keep my options open. And then when the opportunities came into your life, you were able to acknowledge, okay, this is for me. And I love that you're referencing as well that you're now in a career that you didn't even know existed. Like that is such a important message for people to hear because here I am, in my almost 10th year now of collegiate swim coaching, having had zero intention of going into this career. Uh, you know, so for me, that is, I'm my own lesson to my athletes when they bring these sort of things to my attention. And for you personally, David, when did, I guess, when did you know that this was a reality for you in the sense that I don't necessarily need to go down the engineering route? I don't necessarily need to be a lawyer. When did it all start to suddenly become? hey this i can i can figure this out as i go and i can commit to this career when it comes my way i would just say don't let opportunities pin you in a corner uh, i would say whatever presents itself maybe it's not the optimal opportunity to start with but maybe take a shot at it mm -hmm. open the door get started get started doing something because that's kind of the trials and tribulations you have to figure out. And I don't want to paint the picture that being a professional athlete was some primrose path. Mm. In many respects, it made it more challenging for me post-career because here I am, I got an opportunity to play my sport at the highest level that so many people want to do, and I got to do it. And I loved it. I cherish it. I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity, but when I'm done in my 30s, I'm having to start a career path that many people have already done in their 20s. And so I spent most of my 30s trying to figure out who do I wanna be now? What can I do? What am I good at? I don't know, because you've already been at the highest level of your sport, and the tendency to think is, as athletes, like, well, why can't I just start at that highest level again mm -hmm. you can't you gotta start at the bottom of the ladder again yeah. and that's hard to accept 
as a competitive athlete to say, wait a minute, I got to start at the bottom and you just do. So athletes or students, it doesn't matter. Take that first step, start at the bottom, work your work hard, work your way up. And who knows what life experiences, career experiences you're going to have that are going to open doors to do other things. You'll find your passion that way, but you got to get started doing something. That's the hardest part for many people is they, they sit and wait for the perfect opportunity and the perfect opportunity doesn't necessarily present itself. Mm-hmm. You got to go find it. Right. You can't sit around and wait on it. So th- that's the one piece of advice as I would say, it's just, just get started and, and let the path just kind of take you. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you turned the conversation towards that understanding that for an athlete specifically, and you know, I, th- I think it's on this show we talk a lot about athletes, but I, I do know people listen that don't necessarily have this long, long experienced life within the, the sports world. And I just want to under- make people understand that this transition that we're talking about of going from an athlete to then starting a career and having to start from the bottom up, I think it's the same for 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 a lot of walks of life. I think especially when you come out of college. When you, when you go through high school, you go through these four years, and when you're a senior, you feel like you're king of the world, and then you go right back to the beginning as a freshman in college, and then you graduate college, and you've gone through the same process, and now suddenly you're at the entry level of a particular career, and you feel yourself at the bottom again. And I think it's understanding that the transition of going from starting at the beginning to working your way up to the top, it, it's a very normal transition for a lot of people to go through, but... I just feel as though from an athlete standpoint, sticking with this theme, you're exactly right that you've learned to master a specific trait and now you're having to go into a brand new world and say, how do I learn this in a way where I can feel that same maybe acknowledgement of how good I am and how much I can utilize my best. And I, I want to stick with this a little bit in, in the sense that you mentioned it earlier that within this Within this career now, you've found it to be extremely competitive. And as a competitor yourself, as an athlete, and just to touch on one or two things, you referenced yourself being in some big games. You know, I've, I've read some articles on you prior to this, David, that use terms like clutch and, and you know, winning games on, on one kick as, as time expires and all this kind of thing. So you've been in the most competitive of competitive environments and you've managed to remain calm and perform when did you start to realize that that version of you as the as the kicker as the football player could now be invested into this career that you're in today you know i don't think it was just any one particular moment i think it's just something that you you evolve and you're constantly looking for that when i went down the broadcasting path i thought the only way i could fulfill that is if i was calling games Um, and not necessarily the play-by-play, but the, the, like the color analyst or the sideline analyst or something like that. And I got a taste of it. I got to do some of it. And it is phenomenal. Um, I just wasn't going to get those same opportunities. And I quickly realized that, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You have to realize some of your uh, own limitations. And so I found my niche in it, and uh, that was doing pregame radio. I, I had my shots at TV. Did that for four years. Didn't really like it. I liked radio because it's more spontaneous. You can just kind of speak from the heart and talk about issues and interview people like like we're doing. And 
And that was more fulfilling to me. Uh, but as far as the competitive side, it was just, it kind of evolved uh, on the real estate side. I didn't initially realize how competitive I was, what I was doing. Um, I, I thought it was in many respects, you just kind of, you work hard and the opportunities, you're more or less an order taker. And that's not what it is at all. You've got to go out and network with people. You got to earn their business, earn their trust so that they want to use you. And there are some wins and there are some losses in it um, with, with people that you've done a bunch of deals with. And then they go with somebody else because of certain set of circumstances and scenarios. And you just got to learn. I can't take it personal, you know, and, and they tell you not to, but you still do. There's still a part of you that like that kind of stings, that hurts, but you got to quickly let it go. Mm-hmm. and go get that next deal, that next opportunity. And I think that's what, and it also is in part discovering who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. I found that I'm very task oriented. I like going after a task, completing that task and moving on to the next one. Um, that is kind of my mindset, my mentality. And that's just kind of who I am. Every Not everybody's wired that way. So not everybody's perfect for this career. That's why there's so many different avenues. Like I said, even within commercial real estate that might be more suitable for somebody who maybe is more project oriented and they have a place and a role as well. You just got to find out who you are. Yeah. And I, I, I couldn't help straight away when you talk about, you know, suffering some of those losses sometimes, not taking it personally, moving on right away. I mean, you can't get more, specific to that exact situation than a kicker right you know if you if you do happen to miss if you do happen to miss you need the the best short-term memory in the world because you might be right up five minutes later having to kick a more an even more important kick so you know i think that is such a such a you know very specific to you but certainly a a valuable lesson of 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 transitional traits that, that you were able to take into what you're doing today and one one other thing i wanted to definitely bring up too is clearly you've you've always enjoyed having a lot on your plate and i and you and i share that same uh, quality you know for me it's not a it doesn't count as a day unless it's busy i I don't do very well when i have quiet days let's put it that way for 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 you now you've you've had some opportunities of being involved as a you know a chairman for the board of directors with a local hospital uh board of directors with the denver broncos alumni association all these different little things and you, you even kept up that that passion with the radio for, for so many years. For you, what do you feel is one of the greatest benefits to to having a lot going on within your life? Because it is something that people will tend to use as an excuse or something to complain about. Whereas, like I said, you and I share that same desire to have a lot on our plate. What do you think brings, what do you think is the greatest benefit to something like that? I think it's having a purpose every day in life having a reason to get up and get something done, get something accomplished. Uh, th- there's no question, uh, and it, I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I don't do well when I don't have something planned. I mean, I do need those down days, trust me. Yeah. We, we all need them uh, to kind of decompress and re-energize. But e- even though I know I need them, I don't do well at them. I it just, it's not how I'm wired. I need that. Uh, there, there's a book out there and I forget the author. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. Uh, fantastic read. I think everybody just maybe read a couple chapters, but I think everybody needs a purpose 
in life. And I don't even think I'll do well in retirement because I'll need to have a purpose. I'll need to have a hobby. I'll need something to do. I like golf. I don't like it that much that I need to play every day. I, I could play once a week and be happy. I'm going to need something else to do. And case in point, my wife's kind of going through this same thing. Uh, before we got married, she had about a 10 year career in uh, sale, the sales side of radio and the promotional side of radio. So she understood kind of being in the mix, being in the fray, being in the workforce. And she stepped aside from that to raise three kids. And as those kids have gotten more and more independent, she struggles with finding that daily purpose a little bit herself. She goes, my purpose was to raise these kids and be around and be there for them, they're counselors, just to love them. And it's just, it's part of life. They, they start pushing you away as parents because they're trying to find their own independence. And so now she's trying to find her purpose in life again. So she's gone back and gotten a, a residential real estate license. Oh, awesome. So she can kind of work in that part time, but still be a mom, still be available. Um, Cause our kids aren't completely uh, moved out yet. They still need her, need us. Yeah. Um, but that gives her a little something to have a focus on, on any given day. So I think that's the most important thing is finding that purpose, whether it's your professional career, whether it's your charity work, getting involved and giving back and being part of that. It's just, and you don't have to be an extrovert to do it. I wouldn't say I'm an extrovert, but I wouldn't say I'm an introvert. I'm probably somewhere in the middle because mm -hmm. I do like my private time. Mm -hmm. I like to sit down and just kind of do nothing around the house or piddle around the house and mm -hmm. fix stuff. And, but yeah, purpose, I would yeah. say is probably the, the biggest um, attribute if you can find it. 100%. I couldn't agree more with that. And uh, I have a almost 18 month old and uh, 11 week old in the house at the moment. So just getting started, just getting started, just getting started. But I, it's so funny, David, that, um, you know, throughout throughout the last few months, I've had this opportunity to make excuses to, to, to not do things like this podcast. And, and that very purpose that you're talking about, I feel so connected with my purpose. And it's what forces me to walk up the stairs and, and do some editing and, and, and work on this podcast when I'm running on very little sleep or whatever it may be. For me personally, I think it's, it's definitely a, a massive, massive component of, of getting up in the morning, like you said, and really finishing the day knowing that you've you've gotten the most out of it. And before I let you go, David, I would just love to really allow you to, to maybe share some final words of wisdom just on on your process on a day-to-day -day basis. Like you've obviously referenced purpose. You're obviously extremely competitive. But for you, as, as someone that has been able to establish success both as an athlete and now in what you're doing within real estate, if you felt like there was a secret or there was just a, a component of what you do on a day-to-day -day basis that makes you feel like, this is what allows me to be successful. How would you explain that? I'd say there's no shortcuts for hard work. I think you just, you got to roll up your sleeves. You got to dig in. You got to get in there and do it. Um, you can't wait around for anybody to hand it to you. Because if you do that, they won't. Uh, you got to go out and earn it. You got to go out and win it. Um, and that's, I know a lot of companies love hiring former athletes, regardless of level, even all the way back to high school. If you competed at some level, they like that because they know you're, you're driven, you're self-motivated. And it just, you, you got to put in the time and the effort. 
Um, some people get breaks sooner than others and kudos to them. And that's great. But I don't think there are too many people out there that just win the lottery and don't have to do anything for it. Uh, it, it does. It takes some time and effort and energy that you put in and a lot of sacrifices, a lot of ups and downs. Um, when I, when I talk to younger kids periodically, high school kids probably hear it more than anybody younger because they're just kind of on the verge of making that jump from high school to college is I just try to say, enjoy the journey, enjoy the climb. It, it's not perfect. Every day, every week, every month has its ups and downs. Life, unfortunately, for us is, is not perfect. And you got to roll with the punches and you just got to keep plowing through. Um, I think truly that's the secret to success is just keep plowing through. Even when you think things couldn't get a whole lot worse, you just got to keep reaching down. My faith is important to me in that respect to fall back on that too. So um, that's, that's the one thing I would say is just, you know, work hard. And uh, I think good things happen to people good people that work hard and put in the time and the effort and the energy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and listening to, to your career story, it's obvious that very little was, was handed to you. A lot of what you achieved was, was things that you were willing to work for and you were excited about the climb and the journey, as you put it. Um, so David, thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. I knew this would be so insightful and it, it was, it was even more than that. So again, David, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with everything you have going on. And, uh, yes, thanks again for joining us. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed the conversation. And my thanks again to David for joining us on the show today. And as always, let's finish with our career competitor keys to success, starting with my competitive call. And I'm going to go with respect. The trait of respect is something you have to have within you in order to have a success story such as David's. Whether it was respecting the pecking order he was joining within the Clemson kicking staff, respecting the way in which you earn your opportunities within the NFL, or having respect for the chapter that would eventually come after football, and the need to be as prepared as possible through things such as education and networking, David maintained respect at all times. I think we can sometimes be guilty of mistaking simply knowing something with truly respecting it. So often I hear people say what is required or expected to attain a certain goal. But it's in a person's intent and action where we learn how much they truly respect what is required. So be sure to act with respect, always. Next is my teachable takeaway. How open-minded are you to opportunities? When it comes to the chances we get in life, we always hope the perfect opportunity will be presented to us. With the perfect opportunity to network and that a clear vision of our future will be immediately painted for us. But realistically, we actually need to be open to taking opportunities that may only be loosely associated with our overall career goals. What then matters is how open-minded we are to potentially benefiting from such opportunities. There is always a skill, experience, person, or place for that matter that can bring you one step closer to something that is a perfect fit for you. But do not allow a narrow-minded outlook to prevent you from such an opportunity. So go throw some caution to the wind and give something a little out of your comfort zone a try. It might just be the best opportunity you ever took. And finally, my motivational move. 
have a short-term memory when it comes to the hits you take. Hearing David's experience within real estate in how one potentially successful moment can suddenly be taken away at the last minute is exactly why I motivate you all to instill a short-term memory when it comes to the hits we take. I think we have all taken a hit or two over the years, whether in sport, career, or life for that matter. As much as it certainly is paramount to learn from potential mistakes and disappointments along the way, once we feel we have identified such things, we have to leave that moment behind us, let it go, and come right back into the arena for another opportunity to succeed. That short-term memory will leave us with a clearer mind, a confident mind, one that is ready to take on the next opponent with the belief that this time around, we might just make that kick. Thank you so much for listening and joining us on the Career Competitor Podcast today. Be sure to rate and subscribe to the show for future episodes, and I look forward to bringing you a new episode in two weeks from now. All the best within your world, and I look forward to speaking with you very soon. Bye for now. 